What are you going to do, Commissioner? There's only one thing we can do. Sir, it's the Batfoot. Yes, Commissioner. Batman. We'll be right there. Biff, Bam, Pow. You'll listen to Batman Land, a regular discussion of the TV show Batman. Be careful. Maybe a trap. But wait, we're not doing that this week. We're looking at the 1966 Batman movie, Batman the Movie. Where are Batman and Robin, the crime fighters? And to do this, I've assembled a panel of maybe three of the most hardcore Batman fans we've had on the Batman Land podcast over this first season of the show. Let's go, Robin. We have here, from left to right across my panel, no particular order. Maria, don't get upset at the order I've chosen here. I'm just going one side to the other. Okay, let's go with Maria first. <laughs> it's Maria Lewis, author. What's up? <laughs> Maria, thank you very much for coming back. You're with us in episode two. Uh, also, to our left here, consummate professional and comedian, Justin Hamilton. That is the first time I've ever heard that in a sentence, and I'm wrapped. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Comedian? No, professional. Okay. And finally, rounding out our panel, Blake Howard, a man who is, first of all, a film critic. Yes, that's yeah. correct. Critic, uh, but also a man who's so dedicated to the craft of Batman, your entire body is a temple to Batman, in that, first of all, your physique, like you're very Batman-like, but also the tattoos. I'm going to take all of that. I'm going to take absolutely everything, just like Justin, no one has ever said my physique is Batman. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm taking it's like, it. Dan, are you hitting on it? <laughs> Thank you got a wife. And Merry Christmas to you. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you all. Now, this is a Batman Land special. We are looking at the movie, and we're going to talk about everything Batman-related. We're going to talk about some Hollywood superhero films. Strap yourselves in. This is going to be a Yuletide experience. The film came out on July 30th, 1966. Uh, this was just two months after the season finale of season one. But Blake, can you run us through what happened through the Batman movie? A British scientist is travelling on a transatlantic voyage when he's kidnapped. Could you chaps direct me to a policeman? Commodore Schmidlaps, the name? By a Justice League of ourselves, an anti-Justice League, a suicide the squad, if you will, of the rogues gallery, the greatest Batman villains we've ever seen. Catwoman. Her. Joker. Joker Day keeps the gloom away. Riddler. We've got to get Batman before he gets us. <laughs> and the Penguin. On land you may command. At sea it is me. <laughs> And the pirate guy. And the guy who the looks pirate. like Peter Fitzsimons. Oh. And... <laughs> That's so true. I <laughs> And this rogue gallery steals him. Commodore Schmidlap's invention in our hands. The whole world almost literally in our grasp. And the boy wonder. Holy long John Silver. And obviously the great and wonderful Bright Knight himself. Pretty fishy what happened to me on that ladder have to capture them and figure out what their evil scheme is. Are they going to distill whiskey or is he going to turn people into multicolored dust? We'll never know until we watch this movie. Fantastic. Nailed it. I don't know about you guys, but I grew up watching a TV show, but for most of my life, my experience with the 1966 Batman has been the movie because mm. that's all that's been available to watch on demand. Yes. So true. Yeah, that was the same for me as well. Like I had seen the movie probably about... I don't know, a good 30 times before I ever saw the TV series. I'm not sure if it was like an Australian-New Zealand thing, but I feel like the movie was in much easier circulation in Australia or New Zealand than it was anywhere, than the TV show was. Like you could get That's a, a VHS. That's a global thing because there was a rights issues between Fox and Warner really? Brothers. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, because yeah, it was the kind of like the bootleg VHS that was always being handed around people's friends and stuff like that. So when I revisited the movie ahead of like this podcast on Christmas Eve, um... It was 
What a way. It felt very comforting. Like it felt like that thing I'd seen a thousand times before because I had seen it a thousand times before. Was there anything that took you by surprise from what you remembered to watching it now? Because as an example for me, I was completely shocked that the shark scene happened so early. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason that was much much further in the movie. And then I was like, oh, as you said, five minutes in, yeah. there's the little rubber shark. You've seriously pulp fictioned it in your mind. It's yeah. like you've split everything, you've <laughs> yeah. moved it all around, yeah. and you're like, this makes no sense. But for me, one of the massive things was I feel like there was the impulse that they wanted to have their cliffhangers. And you can almost feel the moments yeah. in the movie yeah. where you could insert perfect Bill Doge's yeah. narrator voice and like mm. stop yeah. it and go, is Batman going to get out of this? Like you can feel it. Oh like shit, they... we've got 50 minutes left to go. <laughs> the TV format just so, like they had it so perfectly nailed. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's what I've really felt watching it again. So, I also yeah. forgot that he had uh, not only the shark spray, but the barracuda spray yeah. and the stingray yeah, spray. He's got it all. He's got it. Well, I w- it was really interesting going back and watching this because only a few weeks ago I rewatched all of Chris Nolan's Batman trilogy. Stop. It. Yeah, and so we're in the Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> That's not like the only Batman fans say to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Stop, Stop it. it. It's like, I just, you know, I'm just trying to get a bit of a hot flush. And that's in amazing. the Dark Knight Rises, when he's trying to get rid of the bomb. Yeah. And, and watching this, oh, I was yeah. like, God, it would have been so good if he could have just been like, some days I can't get rid of a bomb, or however yeah. Christian Bale says it in the stupid voice. But I, I reckon there are heaps of shout-outs to all sorts of different uh, mm. eras of Batman in those Nolan there films. Are, there are, yeah. Like, you know, mm. one of my favourite scenes in The Dark Knight Rises is the scene with uh, Catwoman, and, oh, well, between Bruce and Selina yeah. dancing, and, and that, to me, is his version of that great scene between Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael yeah. Keaton in Batman Returns. Yeah, you there's know? a lot of stuff like that. And, uh, I would love and to... Scarecrow is also the conduit for a lot of those moments yeah. as well and a yeah. lot of references to deep, deep cut rogues gallery characters. Yeah, yeah. And I would love to speak to Nolan and just sort of say, you know the bomb at the end, was that your, was that your riff on the movie? Because I, I feel know. like it was. He seems like a bit of a dick. Do you? Yeah. Why is that? No, because he's, he's intellectual. Not, he's not, super serious and just. I don't think he is super serious. Mm. I think he gets. I think he gets. One of the things that I get really frustrated with Nolan's uh, Dark Knight trilogy is that people talk about how dour it is, and it's like I don't think that at there all. There are heaps of jokes. Yeah, heaps, and heaps of jokes, especially in Batman Begins. It's a movie that has a lot of levity, yeah. and also tonally, even though the Batman 1966 movie and Batman Begins on paper couldn't be more different, but there's so many things in terms of like just little quips and like. A bit of charm that Christian Bale has that yeah. I feel like Adam West definitely pioneered in the TV series and the movie. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Is he dour or is he just British? I can't tell the difference. <laughs> you know what? I just think he's a smart Christian guy. Christian Bale's Welsh, isn't he? Oh, oh no, no, hang on, are you talking about Nolan? Nolan's American, isn't Mr. he? Nolan. Well, no, Nolan, Nolan I've heard is, uh, and this is as part of the one, you would have you would have heard it by now if you'd followed along with One Heat Minute, is um, he's a massive he's a massive gushing fanboy for the things he loves. Mm. So I imagine yeah. um, Joe Lynch, who's a, a guest on One Heat Minute, who's a filmmaker from the States, and he was at the 20th anniversary Heat screening, the new definitive edition, and he said that because Nolan is such a massive fan mm. of Heat and it has a lot of um, things that, you know, sort of uh, mirror in the dark night, he said yeah. when he was on stage and he's talking to Michael Mann, he was just a gushing fanboy. So I imagine yeah. if you sat him down next to Adam West or Bill Dozier, yeah. Yeah. May, may he rest in peace, he would yeah. lose his mind. Well, I thought Adam that... Chris Nolan was from Chicago. 
Uh, yeah, uh, but then I think he's oh, it's weird. It's, it's, yeah. it's something bizarre, like raised in England, and but yeah. his brothers, you know, got the American accent, and it's all very confusing. But raised the, in secret, see, oh, Jesus, he is Jesus. <laughs> I mean, he could be. My, I don't think he's put a foot wrong yet. With the interview he did with Richard Donner, uh, yeah. about Superman. Oh my God, you, you, yes. you, yeah. I think you do. You see that. This guy is technically proficient and he, you know, he goes and he films it uh, very professionally. There's never any deleted scenes because he doesn't shoot any more than he has to. Every movie's come under mm. budget. But then you put him with someone that, like Richard Donner Michael or Donner. Michael Mann and, yeah. and, and you see that thing. He's a kid, yeah, he's excited. Yeah. I, I always wondered if, um, because there were rumours that uh, the Blade Runner sequel was offered to another director who turned it down before yeah. it was picked up, and I wonder if it was offered to Nolan, because that is his favourite movie. Yeah, I, I wouldn't... Oh, I, I, if it was your favourite movie, I don't think I'd want to touch a sequel. Yeah, that. no, that's it. That's You'd be too scared, scared like, wouldn't you? Leave it. Yeah, yeah. That, it would be super tough. And the other thing is, I think that when Blade Runner did a hop, skip and a jump from studios, when it mm. went out of the Warner Brothers catalogue and they picked right. it up eight, later, I think that Nolan's out of that stable. Yeah, Donna Superman makes you excited talking about it. Like, this movie makes Batman fans yeah. excited. Like, yeah. if you're a true Batman fan, you love the living daylights out of this movie. It's yeah. awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, now this movie, it opens with, and it's a dedication that I think the Batman Land podcast itself has in spades. It says, so the lovers of adventure, lovers of pure escapism, lovers of unadulterated entertainment, lovers of the ridiculous and the bizarre, to fun lovers everywhere, this picture is respectfully dedicated. And, and I, I even like the way it was set up, you know, yeah. the writing on the wall and the and the, the spotlight coming over. And the slow and opening credits. Yeah, I love yeah. a good slow opening credit. Yeah, you know? I was like, into that It's too. a good two minutes before you finally get the shark repellent, barracuda yeah. repellent. And the music gets you into the groove yeah. before you get there. You see the couple making out for some little pun, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all ready to go. And it's also, got, I, I think it's the most Gotham that we've seen the Batman TV series or movie go because it's like dark and it's like really sort of um, sheer primary colours in the colour schemes mm -hmm. and you actually see sort of that couple making out in an alleyway seems very Gotham as opposed to the couple we later see lying down in a park looking at a chopper that I has know. bat wings on it going, oh, I just love to know that they're there. Yeah, oh, that was so lame. That was the lamest <laughs> ever. And it also, I got the impression it was like a Tuesday as well and so it's like who's taking oh, someone out for a picnic date on a Tuesday doing Barry or whatever his name is. Well, you know the what? There's something peculiar about that, but it did feel like a Tuesday. I think yeah, you are onto like that. Yeah. It felt like a Tuesday date. Like, you don't want to shove it in between the main dates, so you're just like, mm, daytime date, quick escape. But it's Tuesday 11am. <laughs> why is that guy on the rooftop with all the girls in the bikinis? Well, why isn't he? Have you never been to the Gold Coast? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> They're called meter maids. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much. And one of them was the mayor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do like those opening credits. They're very reminiscent of the third man. The yes. Great Awesome Balls film. Yes. But in... Man, no one has ever connected that bow before. Yeah. Well, because you got There's... the man running back and forth. I know, but thing. like Batman 66, you're like, mm, yeah, it's just like that Awesome Balls film. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's just like. Yeah, just like. Well, if you, I reckon if you'd thrown a piece of pie in Awesome Worlds direction, he would have mm. been happy to appear in uh, <laughs> yeah. that movie. That I'm actually stage. kind of amazed he didn't appear at some yeah. stage. Yeah. Oh, that would have yeah. been so good. Been oh, he would have been amazing. Yeah. Or Penguin. Oh, but Burgess has got the voice, Darren. Yeah. See here, ring. Don't you kind of look at the penguin and uh, do, do you remember before, I think it was before Dark Knight Rises came out, there was the rumour that uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman was going to yeah, be the penguin. Yeah, that, and... that made me really excited because it also oh, would have fit with the casting and tone of Nolan's yeah. world. I was yeah. like, yeah, I believe that. I, I could have that. believed him as a mafioso head yeah. who had a nickname of, yeah. of the penguin, you know, that was... 
you know, the the way they used the Two-Face uh, Harvey yeah. Dent. You know? Well, and also there was a rumour that was circulating for years that DiCaprio was going to play the Riddler for yeah. a while there, but never manifested. Yeah. Now, this film opens quite differently to a TV show where you don't have the bat phone ringing and Batman and Robin making mm. an excuse as to why they need to leave. Mm. Instead, the two ba- eligible bachelors, they're in their convertible, driving, mm. racing even, to stately Wayne Manor, where they've got to you know, get into the back gear. Interesting, we actually see the process that they go through when yes. they go down the pole. Mm. So exciting. Now, do we want to talk yeah, about the physics of this? Because I don't quite understand it at all. We, the <laughs> only difference that, well, the extra information we have now is when they go down the poles, there is a button that gets flicked. And as soon as that happens, they're able to, you know, get into the costume. I've spent most of my adult life trying to work out the actual dynamics of sliding into that if you're going straight down. Mm. Is there another room midway between those poles? I just don't get what's happening. No, I think the switch I think is... your problem is you're taking serious physics to a Batman movie. Yeah, I, I, think, I, think, I think the switch is more... I think the switch is more like... Probably what Bill Dozier told his kid. They're like, Dad, it makes no... I When I slide down the pole at the park, it makes no sense how someone could put clothes on. He goes, oh, there's a switch. Like, yeah. it feels oh, like yeah. to me it's yeah. like... No, there's a magic switch. He hits the switch and yeah. that's what happens when they get down the pole. We don't have a magic switch that puts your clothes on. When yeah, back in the day when young punks just accepted <laughs> answers, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uncle Bill has not had that sit-down talk with me. We see later in the film as well, they go up the... Well, he goes up the pole... This yeah. all sounds like innuendo. Yeah. I'm sorry, this is all <laughs> Bill. flicking switches up the pole, down the pole. I've been working really hard not to say anything. I'm just hold. <laughs> it, it is Christmas Day. How about you control yourself, sorry. Maria? Tell us more about what Uncle Bill said to you. <laughs> what about his pole. Yeah, Go. tell us more about Uncle Bill's pole. Up the pole, down the pole. It's, it, <laughs> it's your switch. Christmas. Like it. <laughs> that sounds like my Christmas. <laughs> well... When Uncle Bruce is going up the pole. All right. Okay. There's yeah. like the hydraulic that takes him up there, which yes. is new to the Batman world mm. so far. We haven't seen this yet. Yes. But like, I don't understand. How's Alfred getting up and down the thing? Like, is there just a series of stairs? No, or I think elevator? Alfred has a secret entrance. He's got the butler's entrance. Yeah. He's, it's much less glamorous because at most, Alfred is only wearing his tiny eye mask, <laughs> right? yeah. which I love his butler yeah. disguise where so it's streaming. exactly him, tiny eye mask. Yeah. 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 But we see that throughout the film where they're all wearing their tiny masks so yeah. that people don't notice the yeah. man in the white face paint. It's like oh, Ellen right. John putting on a tiny mask and you being like, oh my God, who is that? I love it. I, I personally love it. I think it's so ridiculous that supervillains who are breaking into the United Nations are all wearing the tiny masks. Yes. Like, like yep. I want to even be disguised from knowing that it's the supervillain breaking in when they're eventually going to use it as ransom. Makes no sense. Well, love it. There's also the point where Catwoman walks into the pirate bar mm. and um, Peter Fitzsimmons says to her, Catwoman, thank God you're here. And she goes, damn it, you fool. Don't use my real name. Yeah. As if to Mr. and Mr. Woman, a girl, Cat. Like as if Catwoman was her name on, you know, on, on the birth certificate, no. <laughs> yeah. on her tax. Show of hands here. Uh, has anyone been attacked by a shark before? No, but I did once see a shark eat a seagull while I was in the water. Oh. No, and I and the secret history of our secret identities, Marie and I both did surf lifesaving mm. as kids, and I have pulled people out of the water when shark alarms have come on mm. into, oh, right. into inflatable rubber ducky boats. Right. So I mean, penguin rubber ducky. I saw so deep blue sea. Does that count yeah. as an yeah. attack? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I have been trying to do a feature article on LL Cool J's theme song, oh, Deepest right. Bluest, yeah. for literally about six years. Yeah, right. This years. is the pitch. Go. Go. Yes. No, I've been I've been dying to do it because it's like this fantastic moment of like hip hop meets 
pop culture meets movies in a kitsch clustered jam. It's so weird. Yeah. I've been trying to interview LL Cool J specifically about his theme song for Deep Blue Sea for like about six years. So LL, if you're listening. Which we know you are. Yeah. On Christmas. Please let me out. Yeah. I can do all the lyrics, whatever you want. On Christmas, <laughs> please uh, let let's come discuss the line. My my shark fin is like a hard like a shark hat. Oh, okay. deepest yeah. bluest. My hat is like a shark fin. Is how it goes because hat is like a shark fin is from one of his earlier songs. Anyway, uh, uh, uh. now because you have experience, I'm concerned. I've looked at Batman post shark attack. He came out of it pretty well. That leg was fairly intact mm. in a way that I don't think it really works. Maybe I'm paying too much attention to no. physics once more, but I think it's a grey nurse shark. I think uh, mm. I think we can very, all very, agree on that. Very gummy. Yeah, very gummy. No, they don't no, no. have teeth with edges that are quite as serrated as a bull shark or tiger shark or great white, for instance. Yeah. But can sometimes be aggressive when provoked. So I feel like for him to leave that scenario pretty much fine and intact and to have the repellent, a grain and a shark, and also the size would be the most believable option. Yeah. And then also the way it's jammed in between uh, being attached to his leg mm. and that rope yes. ladder. Yeah. Like it's, it's, I'm a bit on the shark side, to be yeah. honest. This is rough stuff. Yeah. I mean, if this happened in Perth, there would be an outcry. <laughs> <laughs> now, everyone talks about the shark scene as being like the iconic moment from this film. Mm. For me, it isn't. The actual next scene, I think, is the one that I always think about, which is the press conference that takes place where oh, you yeah. first meet Ms. Kitka. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. press conference. Kitka Von, insert 10 names here, <laughs> Rushmore or something. <laughs> now, any other film, this scene is doing nothing. Okay, like yeah. it, it just seems like it's just a thing to get exposition taking place. But the delivery that you see, the sexual chemistry between mm. Lee Merriweather and Adam West, mm. <laughs> everything in the scene works. So we get introduced to Ms. Kitka, who's a Russian journalist for the Moscow Bugle. Uh, her name is actually Katanya Irenya Tatanya Kerenska Alisov. That's some quality James Bond, Austin Powers 100%. level and, and, naming there. And look, 1969 is the year that On Her Majesty's Secret Service came out. And like the reason that George Lazenby got hired was because of every scene between Kitka and Adam West, Bruce Wayne in this movie. Well, like, the guy who wrote this, Lorenzo Simple Jr., ended up to go on and write a bunch of Bond movies. There you go. So I feel like this there, was his training ground. Absolutely. And there's like a weird sort of cycle between Batman and bonds and influences yeah. and stuff like that for throughout sure, history, for sure. yeah. particularly yeah. modern history. But yeah, for me, when I was watching this scene, I was just like, this is just setting up a, like a great yeah. Bond villainess, yeah. you know. They were so close to calling Changing Catwoman's name to Pussy Galore, but they're like, damn it, lawsuit. <laughs> but there is, there is that piece of dialogue from the press conference where they go, um, like, what happened to the shark? Please, no more questions about that ship, about that exploding shark. Doubtless an unfortunate animal who chanced to swallow a floating mine. I wouldn't worry about that either, Mr. Merrick. <laughs> like, I mean, again, believably, believability in physics, not things you bring to the Batman 60s universe, but still. I thoroughly appreciate the police being actually offended when she's asking them to take off yeah. their masks. And they're a bit like, oh, well, you don't ask Batman that. And, you and must then, be new here. Yeah, I know. And then Batman just being so, oh, well, you know, these things they don't understand. Russians. Now, now I've got for Batman fans here. So Sean Young was going to be Vicky Vale in Tim Burton's 89 Batman movie. Yep. Now, when you the see... The worst character. You say, yeah. But do you think 
I Sorry, almost... wait, wait, wait. That's unfair to Alexander Knox, also in that film. <laughs> really? Fair call, fair yeah, call. Very, very, very good call. Um, but... Vicky Vale does drive me nuts. Um, she just and like the drunkenly stumbles down into the Batcave. Like, oh my God, I'm in the Batcave. What? How did I get here? And what I was going to say is if Sean Young, if Sean Young was going to be that character, do you think that that's like Burton maybe burying the lead of actually having her be Kitka, Selena Kyle, like showing up, looking all like that and then like dressing her as Catwoman in the next movie and like changing the character completely? Or do you reckon she might have just been always basic Vicky Vale from there Maybe. On? He did stupid shit like that all the time. Just yeah. talk like the Batman does so much um, Batman-like stuff in those Burton movies. What, like murdering a whole bunch of dudes? <laughs> yeah, and like yeah. using guns and like blowing people out of the sky. But there's also characters names that they throw in there who have no relation to anything else and yeah. people like he's just like oh I'll just shove a Batman reference in there but it doesn't link up to anything Billy else. Billy D. Williams and oh, Harvey yeah. Dent you know. Oh man yeah. Exactly. You know that was all worth it for the, the Lego Batman. Ba- yeah. The Lego Batman. Yeah. 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 He got his justice. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Billy D. I also love in that scene Robin when he's uh, asked if they'll take off their mask he delivers this great line. In fact our own relatives we live with don't know. But your so curious costumes. Don't be put off by them, ma'am. Under this garb, we're perfectly ordinary Americans. Now, I love the next scene where they end up questioning the idea of which known supervillains are at large right now. <sighs> Here's the question, guys. Batman and Robin, they're protecting the city of Gotham. Why are they allowing a situation to be out there where both the Joker the Riddler, the Catwoman, and the Penguin are all out there at large, and they don't know. Well, the part where they're like they're trying to work out which villains it is, and Robin's like, we were at sea, sea for Catwoman. Yeah. <laughs> like, the line that they're drawing is so extrapolated from how they get there. It's so Getting rid of bizarre. that shark made me laugh. The Joker! Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Boy, this is confusing. Ah, the Riddler! Yeah. I love Lisa Wilkinson. Peter Fitzsimmons, of yeah. course! <laughs> So it's I'm never going to unsee that now. Oh. I'm never going to unsee that. Completely. Like, as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, my Lord, yeah. Blake, you were right. Here we go. Lisa was watching at the same time. Yeah. Okay, let's maybe just run through the iconic scenes. So I mm-hmm. think the next one to come along is Ms. Kicker and Bruce are out on a date, mm. which Great I date. think is fantastic because Robin and Alfred are watching on. Okay, from yeah, the Batman ca- to, to be fair, I've never been more sexually attracted to Adam West than I was mm. in the 66 Batman movie, so I totally sympathise and rationalise with Alfred and, um, and Burt Ward watching on. So what is it about Adam West in the Batman film that does it for you in a way that regular Batman doesn't? I don't know. I'm not quite sure, but there was just, I guess maybe... Threatening murder if anything happens to her. <gasps> I do love that. I do love <laughs> a man threatening to kill people for me. It's like one of my kinks. But I think specifically because you get to see him be suave Bruce Wayne for more time than you yeah. usually do in the TV series. In the TV series, so much of the focus has to be on moving the action and him being Batman... And in the movie, because they have a little bit more time to play, you do get him to see, you do get to see him play suave Bruce Wayne. And, you know, Adam West is a good looking dude, especially like around that time period. He was just chasing any supervillain that moved, if right. you know what I mean. But he was handsome, but you always felt like he was in on the joke in an yes. era where yeah. irony wasn't necessarily something that yeah. was... He had a twinkle in his eye. Yeah. I think in the same way that I really love Billy Zane in the Phantom movie. It's like the, the early... <laughs> that is a sentence I have never yeah, heard. <laughs> the early groundwork was laid yeah. with Adam West in the 66 Batman movie. Yeah, I feel, I feel like Billy Zane gets a bit of a bad rap. I reckon he can be uh, pretty... 
damn good in a role. That's, that's he, another he, article I want to write. His yeah. face was spat in enough in Titanic. Can we all just l- cut him some slack? I yeah. I spent six months tracking down the director of the Phantom movie, Simon Winsor, yeah. who now lives uh, on a horse farm in South Australia where he only has a landline. And so I had to pass messages through people that knew him, that knew him, that knew him to right. try and track him down to do a 20 years of the Phantom anniversary interview. Nobody else wanted to do it. He hadn't spoken about the movie in like 10 years. Right. But I've always wanted to do a book that was like, oh my God, the Phantom is amazing. Anyway, for another time. Yeah, the thing that confuses me, there's a number of things that confuse me yeah. in life as well. As You're a very confused man, <laughs> Very generally. much so. Um, but there's a moment where they're watching on from the Batmobile. Alfred is, of course, driving, wearing a mask, kind of like Robin's own domino mask. Where Fantastic It's mask. clearly yeah. Alfred. I was looking at him just thinking it's Alfred, and I didn't even notice the mask for about <laughs> yeah. five minutes. Because yeah. he's wearing his glasses over the mask as well, yeah. which is fantastic. <laughs> Okay, but there's the thing where they're actually reporting back to Gotham PD and talking to Commissioner Gordon, explaining where they're at in a park. At what point is Commissioner Gordon not cottoning on that Bruce Wayne is Batman, considering that that's part of the major operation taking place? Well, he never cared, did he? He didn't care who the man was underneath. Ah, city fat cats. Yeah. Sonny has got a cigar in one hand and handcuffs in the other. Gordon's happy. I like getting a bit more Bruce Wayne anytime. Uh, you know, because you also get uh, uh, you get the different versions of Bruce. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you get the real Bruce, which you get, uh, say, in the trilogy with uh, mm. with Michael Caine. Yeah. But then you get the one who's the you know drinking too well, much. Bruce and, Wayne woo! is as much of a mask as Batman. Yeah. is. it's yeah. his uh, alibi in many cases. Yeah, and it's, and, it's and entertaining. That's, yeah, and, and that's what praise they praise Batfleck about in the uh, Batman v Superman, which is that it's he the could only do, thing they praise. Yeah, was Batman v Superman. That that ability to be a sort of a smarmy playboy and uh, with a punchable face. Because we've watched face. him do it. Yeah. In the press for how many years now, you know? He, he does just... a really good job of being Ben Affleck. Oh, yeah. Sloppy, sloppy Ben Affleck, honestly. <laughs> no, but, I, but what's, what's so great about this is that even when you've got Lee Merriweather mm. and Adam West, like, making out hard, mm. Dick must turn that TV off. And Alfred doesn't say a word. Like, you're yeah. not hearing a peep at Alfred. Yeah. Alfred's like... This is this is yeah. making me younger watching this yeah. movie right now. Oh, yeah, this is making me younger. Alf is feeling things he hasn't felt in places <laughs> yeah. he didn't know existed in a very, He's very long time. He's cleaning up the darkest corners yeah. of Wayne Manor. <laughs> He's thinking about Aunt Harriet, where yeah. she is, what with Harriet, she's doing. Or he's hanging out with two men who dress up in costumes. Give him this moment, Dick. <laughs> Look, whatever makes you happy. Whatever makes you happy. Give him this moment, There's Dick. also a line after, is, I think it's after the scene or nearby the scene, where they say, um, what's yellow and always writing? And Robin's answer is a ballpoint banana. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, like, so sexually suggestive after everything that has happened before and then after. Yeah. You know they did (sighs) cut and then everyone just high-fived. Yeah, we got it up there. Get it? Oh, so good. So yeah. the only true Batman. So he's not really Bruce Wayne in a costume. He's not really Bruce Wayne when he's Bruce Wayne. Mm-mm. But when he's with Dick, like that, this is most pure. He's most honest. In more ways than one, Dan. Yeah. In more ways than one. <laughs> true to his school. You know, I've been fascinated by uh, the evolution of Dick Grayson in the comic books. You know, yeah. when you take into account all of the different writers and all mm-hmm. of the different artists that have worked on that character, he's one of the rare comic book characters who's actually grown up. Yeah. And so he's this and real... He's not only grounded... grown up, but grown an amazing butt, but which he is so famous for He's now. known for his ass. Yeah. It is... He's I... drawn for the female gaze as opposed to the male one. I find it so entertaining. Mm. And I love how every, every character in every comic seems to be dropping comments on it. Yeah. Uh, did you read the uh, the, the Tom the King, com- uh, Tim Seeley, Grayson series? Yeah, 
That was yeah. amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. And I really I'm only like one trade in, but I really like it. You would really it. like it. I really like it. Yeah, it's like a really modern contemporary spin, kind of like what Phil Noto did with the Black Widow run that wasn't oh, yeah. that long ago. It yeah. was that similar sort of thing. My favorite one, though. Sorry, can we just break it down? We should maybe speak to people without massive nerds. <laughs> um, so the Grayson book is basically Dick Grayson <clears throat> being sort of reconsidered as a spy. As a spy, the yeah, he's yeah. doing espionage. He had to, had to go into hiding after the for, Forever Evil series in yeah. Justice League. Yeah. And also, there's a great, uh, I think I've talked about it before, but the Dick Grayson run where he inherits the mantle yeah. Uh, yeah. to be Batman is so good. Oh. It's so amazing. Yeah. It's my probably my favourite. One well, of my favourites. I agree, yeah. I, uh, I had the opportunity of uh, doing stuff with uh, Grant Morrison when he's at the Opera House, and oh. he, was, uh, he was like, I could have written that version of Batman and Damian Wayne as yeah, Robin, Robin for yeah. another 10 years. Like, well, it was so entertaining. In um, Gail Simone and Nicholas Scott's Birds of Prey run, which yeah. I'm obsessed with, and it's an amazing story set within the Gotham universe, but not necessarily a Bat- Batman at all. He pops up a lot because he's dating Barbara Gordon at the time, and then he's had a previous romantic relationship with Huntress. So Grayson's popping up in, like, every second or third issue and it's amazing you have to you get to see a side of the character that you don't necessarily get to see in other stories because it's all through the perspective of three women now speaking of the perspective of a woman and a side of grace and we haven't seen before Mm -hmm. if if people cast their minds back on christmas day to the very first batman land episode they would hear you revealing some insane things about um dick grayson uh burt ward actually being Restricted erectile dysfunction. Restricted in the pantaloons because he was there. And one shot that reminded me of you, Maria Lewis, when I watched this film. (laughs) That's what I always want people to do when I look at Burt Ward's crutch. So when I was looking at Burt Ward's crutch and he was holding a Batman shark repellent can, I was imagining that he really has handled something that thick before, but it was being squished into oblivion in those tight, tight, tight. They were giving him pills. I still cannot get over the fact that they had a doctor giving him pills to make his uh, genitalia small. So he could fit into those tights and so that the ratings board wouldn't be so offended by seeing a a man playing a boy with a huge member. Well, he's hoping they never apply 3D to this... In all seriousness, though, this is a great Robin story, too, because, like, yeah. Bruce gets to be Bruce for a really long time and suave, yeah. cool Bruce, and Robin kind of gets to run the show. And so that's what that's one of those things that I'd forgotten in my, you know, watching it a thousand times. It's like, oh, he gets so much Robin time. He's planning, he's coordinating yeah. stuff, he's trying to get the cops to do this, he's trying to trick people and take people off the Bruce is Batman sort of scent, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I really liked about this story. Like, Burt Ward just killing it as Robin. Yeah, and getting that opportunity. Getting and, it, yeah, getting, yeah. Getting so much screen time. Yeah. yeah. Now, I do want to segue from talking about what's within the Bat family's pants to something <laughs> completely unrelated, the missiles. Mm. Oh, so many missiles. So many yeah. missiles. That is so actually very related to what's in the pants. Yeah, I felt like that was a <laughs> perfect spell- segue. Thanks for spelling that out. <laughs> when they started firing all those Burt Wards. <laughs> <laughs> but there's this whole sequence, and we see it a number of times, where the Riddler is trying to send messages to Batman and Robin, his traditional riddles. Yeah. And we see them written in the sky somehow. How shit does the No campaign feel right now? I what? know. <laughs> <laughs> Give us a riddle, guys. <laughs> Where are your puns? Where are your puns? Where so are your just blatant hate, okay? If it's not in Iron Big Pentameter, you can shove it. I found it fascinating, the penmanship of his riddles, considering the no campaign and how sloppy that looked in the sky. Oh, yeah. Yes. Like, this is perfect penmanship right there in the sky. Like, three sentences right up there. And decades earlier. Mm. We, we could, I mean, we could land a man on the moon. Right. But if we can't write more than three letters in the sky... 
Well, it was before climate change and the weather oh, was a lot, yeah. uh, you know, safer up there. Yeah. But, you know. It was a lot easier canvas. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, now, another iconic scene, you've got the bomb. My, I have a dress yeah. that is Adam West holding a bomb uh, pictured on the front of it. Yes. Yeah, I didn't wear it to this podcast, stupidly, but... Um... Now, I genuinely believe this scene might be the funniest scene ever committed to film. It's so good. It's so, it's so good. Yeah. I think, well, personally, I think this whole movie, comprehensively from beginning to end, is is a really good movie. Like, really the, I mean, if you know what you're going in for. Like, obviously, if you are someone who, like, your first Batman is Nolan's Batman's, and then you go in to watch this, and you're like, what? <laughs> then it's going to feel like an acid trip. But for a lot of other people, it's, like, it's such a good comedy. All of the performances are great. Yeah. It's well-written and outlandishly, outlandishly written, I guess you could say. But um, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's, like, the Nolan film. So, like, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, Batman Begins. And then this is tied with Batman Returns in terms of, it's, like, 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. in terms of the most, I guess, critically acclaimed and then the Joel Schumacher ones, way down the bottom. <laughs> but it is it is such a good movie. And the fact that we're watching it towards the end of 2017 and that it still holds up as something that we can all enjoy, despite the fact that we're all massive raging fans of it, I think is testament to how good this movie is. When, when he's hurling the bomb, which is the, what was the, the, the object that made you laugh the most? The nuns. The, the nuns. The nuns, <laughs> yeah. for sure. That's my favourite. When he gets to the marching band the second time, yeah. I just die. Yeah. Like, every, like, every time he gets to the second time, because they kill him first, oh, and he gets to the second time, I'm just, I'm, I'm, it's all over. What's great about both the nuns and the band is that he's running around dressed as Batman with this giant bomb I on know. top of his head. Yes. Sure. That is like, totally fine. They're not diverting at all. They're not slightly concerned no. about this. This is why yeah. I love the band. They don't miss a note, Dan. Yeah. They do not miss a they note. They were the committed, song. damn it. They were committed to they're that music. They're Batman and a bomb in front of them. They're, they're going to get that too now. Yeah, right. we're going to play Green Sleeve until we get to the end of this damn song. Now, I watched the scene with a big smile on my face, but it's the ducks, that final oh, moment. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. The just ducks ducks the ducks and as soon yeah. as that happened, that was the thing that just tipped me over. And, yeah. 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 Fantastic stuff. It's all over. It's all over once the ducks become involved. <laughs> Have you ever read the Warren Ellis planetary Batman crossover? No. So uh, planetary was a, a series that ran for like 27 issues, and uh, they were archaeologists, and each issue was kind of a, a different genre. So there's one that's almost like a Japanese 1950s monster movie. There's, Sounds there's very Warren Ellis. Oh, Oh, yeah, it's great. It, like, it's fantastic. Yeah. And there was this uh, kind of uh, one-off crossover where they end up in a place that is shifting through the multiverse. So they keep coming into contact with different versions of Batman, the, the Frank yeah. Miller Batman, etc. But so the cool. best one is the Adam West Batman yeah, turns up oh, and, like, with these serious characters yeah. who are like... What happened? Like, suddenly he was a Frank Miller guy, and then he's this guy, and he's got his little bat propeller, and it's, oh! uh, it's uh, John Cassidy's artwork oh, who draws him beautiful. as yeah. uh, the Adam West. It looks amazing. I am going to have to hunt this down because yeah, that sounds yeah. amazing. It's really entertaining. That incredible. Yeah. Well, it's the same with one of the things I love so much about the black and white Batman figures that have they've been slowly rolling out. Oh, my God. Did you see the Norm Brayfogle one? They're incredible. Incredible. But that, that's one of the things that's so brilliant about them is there's so many different versions of this character of Batman, depending on who the artist is depending yeah. on who the writer is depending on the vision and it's amazing to see all of those kind of captured in like this beautiful frozen image of those statuettes it's the best i have like four or five of them i could definitely see myself diving down and yeah just... your, your lovely partner bought me an amazing um snyder oh, uh, the... joke, joker with a hammer yes yeah. oh a, yeah um, it's so good just yeah. as a, like a and they've got the mechanic. batgirl of burnside the babs tar batgirl as well that's yeah. one that came out recently which is incredible it's yeah. the best 
Now, I'd actually argue against what Maria said in saying that I think the entire movie works, because I don't think that's quite true. I don't I think, accept it. No, no. There's, there's an <laughs> no. aspect of it which kind of bothers me a little bit. So there's a great iconic scene where you see the penguin being kidnapped effectively while he fakes his way into getting into the Batcave. So we see the penguin in there and he hydrates some henchmen and you very quickly learn that he screwed up because he used the hard potted water in the cave yeah. and you know <laughs> it doesn't really quite work for the hydration process. But you know, that's kind of like just a segue towards what happens towards the end of the episode. But what we sort of see here is it, it's a great moment for Burgess Meredith to be there because up until then, I don't think he really had a great moment. Lee Merriweather, who's new to the film, but the character is obviously established in the Batverse, like, she gets a lot of time, mm. but you don't see much time for Cesar Romero in it. And also, Frank Gorshin doesn't really get much of a play in as well. They both have little moments, but they never really get a chance to really be at their best and brightest, I think, within the show. Is that a good argument for why the movie doesn't work? Well, I don't think it doesn't work, but I mean, I just don't think it works as well as it could. Like, well, I kind of feel there's an element missing. But it's also like, you can't... <sighs> You can't have a movie where everybody gets their moment to shine. That's why you have, like, main characters, supporting characters, and so on and so forth. And it's also, like, this was released in between the first season and the second season. The movie was originally supposed to be first. They pitched it as the Batman movie first, and then that would bridge into the TV show. And the studio were like, no, you fool, it's cheaper to make TV. Let's do a season first, and then that audience will move with them to the movie. And they did. But a lot of those characters get more time and more room to play in the television series and the people who are watching the Batman movie in the cinemas know that because they also watch the TV series. I think I'd be more forgiving of that if Lee Merriweather was actually Julie Newmar, you know, just mm. because Lee Merriweather was new to it. So it's, well, yeah, but that's like season three. Yeah, but still the best But I think it's also, about leaning, it's also about leaning in. So in the... In the, in the in this in the TV series as well, and I think like in the films, we we get to you lean into the characters that have a bigger response, and I feel like in the film, the Penguin and Riddler and the Joker just feel like the Stooges. Um, and Meriwether's Catwoman gets the big chunky meaty femme fatale role. Like those guys all are just playing. As far as she I'm gets concerned, to play a few different characters. Yeah, yeah. yeah, different characters. So even even though Burgess gets that great little I'm in disguise scene, I still think of him as like. You know, he's he's like curly. You know what I mean? Mm, the, yeah. the Stooges, like he just gets the curly <laughs> yeah. scene, yeah. and that's and that's the only thing that we get out of those guys. But that's not for me why some of it doesn't work. Like where it kind of turns into every Roland Emmerich movie in the world at the end, like it's probably more of a reason why it doesn't work to me. Like um, or like Rocky Four, if there was just Russia. But like yeah, basically, <laughs> where this movie turns into that, I think it's got more problems. But I, for me, I just think it's the nature of this story. It's like even you know, if we're talking on modern times, if you in November were watching Thor Ragnarok, you look at Tom Hidd what Tom Hiddleston's Loki is now, mm. and you go, but like, oh, I remember when he could just say mewling quim. Oh, yeah. and, 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 you and you it. believed it, and now yeah. he's just the guy who dated Taylor Swift wearing a wig. Don't bring um, that up. And, uh, it's and, Christmas. And, uh, no, I'm sorry. It's Christmas. <laughs> God. Um, but yeah, so like, I, so I, baby I, Jesus <laughs> is crying. Yeah. We don't he speak about Hiddle Swift here. Um, but yeah, so no, but I, I, I agree with that as well. Like, uh, 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 just uh, on, on a slight uh, standing to the left there, Thor Ragnarok. It was. Uh, I would not say that I didn't laugh. I thought there was some really funny scenes in it. But as a movie, you just sort of sat there going a bit, oh, okay. So Chris Hemsworth is very good at doing Ricky Gervais. And Tom Hiddleston, who is so fantastic in that first one, is being reduced to a bit of a waka, waka, waka. Yeah, yeah, Tom Hiddleston. Uh, it's the, disappointing, isn't the, it? The rise and fall. 
all within the Marvel Universe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty, much, pretty much. The film obviously ends with... Well, first we see the helicopter blown out of the sky and they land in a rubber factory. Batcopter. Yeah. Sorry, Batcopter. <laughs> and to correct myself as well, rubber convention. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I thought it was fantastic. And I love so the good. mathematical... Yeah. Yeah. The mathematical improbability of that happening. Uh, yeah. well, Come fantastic. for the rubber convention, stay for that umbrella factory. Well, when Neil deGrasse Tyson comes onto this Batman <laughs> podcast, he's going to give us the exact probability figure. Oh, <laughs> isn't he tedious? Like, just <laughs> let me enjoy a movie, dude. <laughs> Someone follows him on Twitter. Yeah. Not anymore. <laughs> uh, but we do have the final scene in the film where they have to rehydrate a bunch of people from the uh, faux United Nations group what was it as the, Secu- the UN yeah. Security Council yeah, yeah I'm but sure like, Donald Trump it's not the UN because it's the world about the UN <laughs> <laughs> it's well, like the world something or other speaking yeah. of cartoon villains <laughs> but yeah they've got to rehydrate the people Batman and Robin end up screwing up because they've mixed up the colours because everyone, you know, gets dusty in, like, their own individual colours. <laughs> they separate them, but at the very end, you find out that they've inadvertently screwed up because they're all speaking different languages, and this may be a way for the world to finally find unification and actually come with a one voice, as you'd need in a Roland Emmerich film and <laughs> yes. have one voice coming together. Absolutely. Yeah, but yeah. this is Christmas Day, Guys, not Independence stop, Day. <laughs> stop talking smack about Roland Emmerich. I love his movies. I'm a massive Roland Emmerich fan. White House Down is a classic. <laughs> it is underappreciated hey, hey, and brilliant. You're allowed to shit on the things you love because you care. I care. I yeah. care about like nine out of ten Roland Emmerich movies. What's the one that you don't? Stargate, get out of town. Get, get out, out of town. town. Get Come out on, of here. It's got in it. Get I, I, out of I'm, here. I'm all about Stargate. High pressure hose, get it out of the room. Hate but, it. But you, you're Hold missing on. a key figure where you've got nine UN Security Council members, although they do kind of come back and somehow by you know multilingual by the end of it, yeah. Um, yeah. it they get sneezed into oblivion by their creator who's like <laughs> been kidnapped and he stumbles out of this submarine that's been getting shot a thousand times. Everyone's jumping all over the place and he just stumbles out and goes, oh, I'm sorry. And just sneezes them all into a big max- massive mixture. Um, but you, you've forgotten one thing, Dan, which is the greatest climax to any Batman or perhaps superhero smackdown of all time is a fight on a submarine <laughs> on top of a, a, a re-emerged submarine yeah. with that it has everything it's got yeah. thwocks it's got quacks it's got it's got sword fighting it's got a man fighting uh, it's got a man fighting with an umbrella it's yeah. got someone throwing a cat at someone yeah. it's got everything well Batman rescues the cat thankfully <laughs> yes. yeah yeah <laughs> bless <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm signing off all emails for that from this point. Yeah. That's my new email signature right now. The thing I love is right at the end of the movie, after they've screwed up terribly with not quite getting the voices right and the accents and whatnot, mm. Batman and Robin look at the situation and Batman's pretty much like, go on, Dick, exit stage right. And the two of them just inconspicuously just leave through the window yeah. and you know, scale down the yeah. building. Uh, I love their scaling building scenes. There's a really good montage that someone's made and it's up on YouTube. Of um, It's just clipped up all the scenes of them scaling different buildings, oh, boats, right. so whatever. Get the Sammy Davis Jr. clip yeah. and all of that. Yeah. yeah, great. It's all of it, and it's so awesome because you know, like, how they make it. Obviously, yeah. it's just you tilt the camera and then, oh my god, they're vertical. It's awesome. Wait, it what? goes for like twenty-two minutes. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah, probably would, wouldn't it? Yeah, Dan, That's a, that was the... you've just dropped a bombshell on Dan Maria. You just thought they it. were really climbing it? I, I just don't know what to believe anymore. <laughs> oh my lord! Uh, the first season, like, there's actually not that many of the window climbs at all. But you see the first guest to pop out a window being Jerry Lewis mm. right near the end of the first season. Yeah. yeah. It took a while for that to get going. 
Ah, oh, the man who thinks women aren't funny, or thought women aren't funny. Yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah. Tsunami. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's a deep cut for Kevin Smith fans. <laughs> Usually on the podcast, we'll discuss the who is your Batman question, but we all know who your Batman mm. are. Just quickly, Blake, your Batman. Michael Keaton. I'm Batman. Adam West. So this is Batman. Christian Bale. I'm Batman. And I think I'm a Michael Keaton guy, through mm. and through. But we've already established that, so maybe we talk a bit more broadly about comic book-related movies, because mm. this is really the first big one. Uh, there's also, obviously, there's been movie serials before then. There's a whole bunch of things sort of based on more international comics. It's not really the like, like American Valerian comics. and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking maybe more like sort of Modesty, Blaze, mm-hmm. and there's like a few others sort of around that era. Well, Blue is the Warmest Colour is based off a comic book, Persepolis. There's a couple yeah. of... Dude, like, Tamara yeah. Drew. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I was thinking the 60s, but obviously as time's gone on, we saw the Batman movie, we saw mm. the Superman films, the Batman films. Um, through the 90s, we had the downfall of the Batman movies. Uh, but in the early 2000s, we started seeing more and more. So you either live long films. enough to see yourself become a Chris <laughs> Nolan franchise or you die a Joel Schumacher sequel. Exactly. And then we started bon seeing... Bon voyage, of... pussy! <laughs> 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 oh, that's so good! That's it, just end the podcast on that. That's my text time, guys, we're done. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and we saw like the influx of a whole bunch of French and European comics through like last 10, 15 years now. Blue is the warmest colour, probably being one of the more arty and notable mm. sort of entries and all that. Yeah. Uh, but what are your go-tos and what do you really hate? Like what's, and uh, sorry, The Phantom as well. The Phantom, is, the Phantom is one of my favourite comic book movies of all time. And it's really interesting because I remember when Captain America First Avenger came out, I was like, whoever made this are massive fans of the Phantom movie mm. because there are a lot of things from the that, like, the Phantom did and just didn't work for 1996. It just wasn't the right time that work in the context of that first Captain America movie. And if you go back and watch the Phantom, like, I, I love movies that look like the whole thing's shot on a soundstage. That's just <laughs> something I personally really enjoy. Also love a good scene where pirates get eaten by sharks. But there's a lot of really great female characters in there, and Chrissy Swanson's, like, pants-wearing journalist who's always on the case. Catherine Zeta-Jones, who runs a pirate ship full of female pirates. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's packed full of goodness. It's such a great movie. But also Blade and Blade 2 would be two of my other favourite comic book movies of all time. They are in my both in my top ten movies, period. Which kind of got us uh, back into a position where it became viable again. Yeah. Because yeah, everyone kind of gives it the, the first X-Men movie, but no, it was Blade. Blade. It was, yeah. the, it was, Blade the, it was the one so, too much. Blade made so much money. For an R-rated for no, movie for, as for well. For nothing and R-rated. and An and R-rated op- movie with a black hero. Yeah. Like, with the black Al Pacino. Yeah. As he used to call himself. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. Look, I'm um, one of the things I hate in comic book movies is things that begin to take themselves too seriously in their own law without telling a serious story. So I think for me, um, a whole stack of the more recent Marvel stuff, um, because we're just in that superhero glut, has kind of like really, you know, crashed and burned for me. Uh, you really? Know, yeah, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of some of the newer stuff. If like you're talking, what? Um, so if you're talking about, oh, just. Guardians of the Galaxy 2 really didn't... I, that didn't compl- hit with com- me either. Com- completely missed. Um, I really didn't like Captain America Civil War. That completely oh, missed. Oh, my God. That compl- bizarre. That compl- no, compl- I'm with Blake on that one. Completely really? missed for me. Yeah. Doctor Strange completely missed for me. Um, my what about fa- Spider-Man Homecoming? Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, if it wasn't just the same Spider-Man movie that only only knows how to make four thought, times in a row, then... I, I, I have to say, I really enjoyed it. And I, <laughs> yeah, I thought, I thought my, it was really refreshing. I thought the, the highlight scene in that was that 
beautifully acted moment with Keaton. Michael Keaton yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and but Tom oh, Holland yeah. like sitting in the back of the car yeah. you know kind of working out what's happening and trying to hold back I thought his acting was uh, oh, those guys told it the best I just yeah. felt like it I felt like I trod the same ground a little bit with those but yeah. my favourite superhero movie of all time um, aside from a Batman film is Donna Superman I think the Donna the first yeah. Donna Superman I can go back and watch a million times and be completely impressed and I um, oh, stunning there's a, that beautiful scene where you, um, Christopher Reeve you know takes off the glasses and it's like oh my god he looks like Superman then he puts them back on no, and you go oh my god he looks like Clark, Clark Kent, Kent. <laughs> and then it was, it was the first time that you actually went oh yeah I can buy into this yeah. and that was from his acting yeah, yeah. his performance is just outstanding so and, for me that's, and Margot Kidder as well Kidder, is just so, so, so good. good so, so good so yeah. brassy she's brassy so good brassy and ballsy because oh. people, people forget like if Superman's the perfect man you, well then Lois has to be the most interesting person in the world. Yeah, and I yes. think that's one of the things that's so frustrating being a massive female pop culture geek is yeah. going into those um, the Zack Snyder movies, Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman in particular, yeah. where Lois Lane 8, they don't give her a die job. I'm like, how hard is it to just die a strawberry blonde brunette? <laughs> I know it's not important, but okay, fine, let that go. Yeah. But Lois Lane is one of the toughest characters in the DC universe. Yeah. She's a character that Wonder Woman fears because Wonder Woman's afraid of all the stuff that she can dig up. And yet in those movies, all that Amy Adams' version of Lois Lane gets to do is fall screaming from great heights for hours and hours back to back. Whereas you even go back to the 1940s Superman shorts they used to play before feature films when it was animated in black and white. Yeah, all the flasher cartoons. Oh, my God, they were amazing. Lois Lane would pick up a machine gun and start firing at the baddies because they were trying to take a hostage. She flew a plane to a manned scientist's house, knocked on his door and was like, yo, why are you threatening to blow up the world? The world, what's that about? (laughs) Well, Lois is uh, such a great character that I I love it when you introduce the dynamic of Bruce Wayne Mm. with Lois. Not Batman, Bruce Bruce Wayne. Wayne. Because they're both detectives in different ways. Right, and because Bruce is, you know, playing who he wants to be and then when you've got Clark there and then she will just be overtly flirty with him knowing what's going on and it's it's a great dynamic that's never they they don't play it up enough I don't think yeah so that 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 for me is yeah like I think you've there's a great cross-section all there Mm. across there Justin what's the big ones for you recently uh you know what I, I really loved Logan I love Logan too. Yeah, I just thought they really lukewarm on Logan. I got to say, really, you know, being a Wolverine fan from. You know what? It felt like um, back when Claremont and Miller did that mm. four-part Wolverine series. Yeah. Even though the storyline is completely different, I just felt like they got the character and they finally gave Hugh Jackman a really good film. Like yeah. you know, the Wolverine. The Wolverine is, is good. Is I love the Wolverine. Right up until you get to the end, yes. when he should fight for twenty minutes a yes. hundred ninjas. Yes. yes. But you, you know, you hear the story now where the uh, the production company came in and said, "Oh, he has to fight something." See CGI because it's happening in all the other movies, yeah. and it's like no, no, but they're, 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 but there's a but there's a hundred ninjas. There's a hundred but they have no, that scene just, just to film that bit. <laughs> yeah. you know? they have yeah. that scene on the street, the snow. Yeah. Well, in Parramatta, at uh, the snowy street, <laughs> where like he has the, that moment where he's yeah. taking down a bunch of ninjas, and then yeah. you're like, oh, here it comes, and then it, there's another kind of final act. But yeah. the Wolverine is such a good movie. Yeah, yeah. We, we, it's kind that, of underrated. Watched, it's massively underrated. It is yeah. massively underrated. Yeah. It's such a good movie. And, and Maria and I have watched that together. I think two or three times. Going, oh, why so don't good. why don't more people like this 
yeah. Wolverine. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's a really rad... I have that post... Because they had those amazing campaign for it where the poster was completely white and it was just the frame of Wolverine. It was just a shot of Wolverine in, like, black ink splashes. Yeah. Like, it was a really simplistic, very unconventional mainstream movie poster. Yeah. And I remember getting one of those from the cinema and putting it up in my house and being so proud of it and having people come around and be like, why? Yeah. <laughs> that movie's awesome. Go back and revisit it, yeah. damn it. I think I'm a little bit like you in that I've, you know, having read comics all my life and being across this and, you know, feeling that, like, seeing the first Avengers film and actually having that moment of going, oh, my God, it's Cap, Iron Man and Thor on the big screen. I can't even comprehend how this is happening. And when the Hulk grabs Loki and smashes him. Smashes him. Everybody cheers. You could hear, like, it's not only that everyone cheers, it's like the entire world in cinemas were cheering yeah. at yeah. the same time. I'll never forget going moment. to see yeah. the Avengers movie at a midnight screening. I'd yeah. already gone and seen it. They did like a media screening. I'd seen it and I went back and watched the midnight screening that night and coming out at three in the morning out on George Street, the event cinemas there, and literally just like hundreds of nerds hugging and high-fiving and people <laughs> yeah. were like, they did it! They finally yeah. did it! It was like Nerd Christmas. I'd yeah. never been caught up in such a mass like yeah. ecstasy at three in the morning. But I think um, the Marvel movies for me are at that point now where I can enjoy them while I'm watching them, and as soon as it's done, I kind of go, yeah, I, know, I don't need to see this film ever again. I think the only, you know, we're not including the Nolan trilogy because I feel like they are a step above all of them because they talk about other things other yeah. than superhero stuff. They're also very but, different tonally from yeah, a lot of other superhero yeah. movies. They sit apart. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're, I feel like they're the, the perfect post-September 11 blockbuster mm-hmm. because they've got so... I think that's why the third one's so divisive is because it talks about things that we're only oh, realising yeah. are coming to fruition Justice in the real world now. Yeah. Preaching oh, to the choir. In this yeah. choir, I'm up front singing the gospel solo. <laughs> yeah. God, why aren't we hanging out more? But, I know. Uh, Let's be best sorry, friends. I'm, I'm showing you... off his tattoos there. <laughs> yes. yeah. I'm with you guys on the Donna um, yeah. uh, Superman. Uh, that, it's wonderful. I, I really love Logan. And if I was to pick a, a Marvel film, the, the one that I would watch probably uh, more and more would mm. be Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier is I think, so strong. I think they get that right, mm. you know. And one of the frustrating things with Thor Ragnarok, and I love – uh, Taika Waititi. Stop speaking but it's smack just, about my Polynesian brethren. Oh, I love him, but it's. Uh, I don't think this is his fault. It's just uh, I'm watching it, and it's a series of sketches, and it's like they've all gone, oh, yeah, we're going to be funny. But it's like you can still have some dramatic impetus. You can still have other things I don't, I don't going on. I don't think on. Marvel know how to do that in Thor universe. So, so I had a different, slightly different experience with Justin is that I, I absolutely see the perspective he's coming from, but I, I love it for all the Taika stuff. Like I yeah. love the, the the way that they're able to sort of change the tone of the Thor films mm. to get back to more of like an 80s classic thing. But the thing that I was watching it, when you see a rock monster by the name of Korg who sounds yeah. like what Taika Waititi calls an a, Marty Auckland, a, a, a Marty Bouncer from Auckland, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just going, God, I just want to watch a Bro, movie about an rocks. Auckland Marty Bouncer and I don't yeah. give a crap that I'm in space. <laughs> I would much rather watch that than, you know, yeah. like the, because the first 15 minutes of that Thor film felt like they were going, now, we didn't really like the second one, did we? Let's try and get through I that I love bit. the second one. And then... My, my favourite Marvel movie is Captain America First Avenger, and I think it taps into that thing of... It has... Uh, what's what's the um, the motto that they have for the uh, the CW shows? They need to have humour, heart, and heroics. Mm-hmm. And I feel like all of those ingredients are in Captain America First Avenger. It's really funny, but it's also really heartwarming, and it's really sad, and it's really romantic. And, 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 that's and, great. Our, and our number one girl did it this year. Peggy! No, Wonder Woman. Oh. 
yeah. did it this year. That's that's yeah. this is her year, you know. This Although is I felt that like heroics. Wonder Woman was super shaky in that third act where it felt into the DC Warner Brothers. This is oh, how it, it was must so end frustrating, fast. wasn't it? Because but Marvel that movie was blue line into the sky yeah. and in DC and like, everything crashes. <laughs> yeah, and everything crashes. And CGI in, flames everywhere. And yeah. in DC, it's fighter giants. But Monster. Wonder Woman yeah. movie made me really excited because I was again. It, I felt like the Captain America First Avenger saw the things that worked in the Phantom and then utilized them and made them better. And then Wonder Woman watched Captain America First Avenger <laughs> oh, yeah. and well, they're like, let's well, keep Chris, going. Well, Chris Pine does a great Hayley Atwell. So and I good. say that as a compliment. So good. Yeah. 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 Uh, I kind of feel that we've missed maybe the best superhero movie of all time. Suicide Squad, anyone? Anyone? Oh, anyone? Uh, you know what kills no. me about that? That could have been great. Like, yeah. you know, but you know what you do yeah, with but that then film. When Leto is, becomes like a rich kid from Instagram, <sighs> just... Oh, I don't even want to talk about it, honestly. It's just so but stupid. But if you if you just take out all the supernatural aspect of it, and if you want to make it while Batman versus Superman is happening, make 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 the story about the Joker's going to take out all the heads of the uh, mafioso families, and so they're getting this group of ragtag people to take him down. Yeah. That's your film. Yeah. Why Why have we got uh, Cara Delvini with a Delvini? A crazy, is that how you pronounce Delvini? it? Delvini. Oh, sorry. I'm thinking. I of, don't know, but I'm going to pronounce it. I'm Delvini. sorry. Paulini and Cara. Delvini. I think I was also uh, bringing the uh, uh, Delvini from um, uh, Paul Hogan show. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Oh, Cara Delvini. What a thespian. No. Legitimately, though, Superman 2, the Donna director's cut, is the one to go for. Yeah, that's a good yeah. one. That's yeah. a good one. Anyway, we should probably wrap this up. Yeah, let's it's do Christmas it. It's Christmas time. People have got presents to unwrap. You've mm. got, you know, Nicholas Hoda really Cassandra. turkey drunk right now. Yeah. Really tired, yeah. mm. laying down. Honeyed yeah. ham. Um, Get it. Recommendations for the rest of your day once you finish watching Batman and all the other exciting content on SBS Viceland. <laughs> Maybe go to your DVD collection, get out Batman Returns, a Christmas, Christmas set Batman yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally true. Cool. Great call. Yeah. Or... Bad Santa. Night Before Christmas with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Anthony Mackie and uh, Seth Rogen's really fun. Yeah. Head over to the ABC. It's the Doctor Who Christmas special Peter Capaldi about uh, to yeah. regenerate into Jodie Whittaker. Am I allowed oh. to say that on SBS? You can because oh. we're about to segue into things that we're going to promote. Whovians. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, so we'll be uh, doing Whovians uh, straight after the episode of uh, Doctor Who uh, with our guests, uh, Cal Wilson and our regulars, Adam Richard, Tegan Higginbotham, Bajo, and our host, Rove McManus. So that will be straight on after the last Peter Capaldi, Doctor Who. Oh, I love Peter. Yeah. But yeah. I'm super excited for Jodie Whittaker because oh, I love her in Attack the Block. Oh, she's so good, isn't she? Yes. Uh, my latest book, It Came From The Deep, is a sci-fi murder merman mystery, and it is available now for people if they want to read it. And I also have another book series called the Who's Afraid series, which is basically a feminist take on the Wolfman. Soon to be a TV series. Yes, yeah, soon to be a TV series. Thank you, Dan. And, uh, do, you want to, do you want to work for me? I could do with a publicist. I really do. We'll talk later. I'll get my people to call your people. And it's just me. I'm the and, only people. And if you like podcasts uh, where people obsessively talk about things that are old, um, listen to One Heat Minute. Um, that is my podcast about Michael Mann's crime epic Heat. Um, and we have lots of cool guests. And uh, and hopefully um, you've, you can you know cherry pick some of those cool guests and listen to those minutes. But you can also read some film reviews that I occasionally write, some things. They're all over the place. I'm at Blakey's Batman on Twitter. That's yeah. Where I am. Graffiti with punctuation is his site, guys. Yeah. That's dot com. Dot com. Stolen from that stupid freaking, what are they called? Squatters, cyber squatting jerk. There's a real estate agent in Florida, Maria Lewis, who's got marialewis.com, and I am just waiting for her to blink, and I'm going <laughs> to swoop in and take it. 
Oh man, I've got a I've got a poor guy in the states called Justin Hamilton who works in the government who keeps getting uh, comedy emails sent to him and then a, <laughs> poor Justin. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I, people I, in, who work in government hate comedy. We all know that. <laughs> you know what? The email started off as hey, yeah, I'm getting these emails, and it's like more of your emails. Okay, thanks, mate. The subject no line now is just lol. Get out of my life. <laughs> Well, at Dan Barrett on Twitter has been getting a whole lot of my followers. Oh, that guy. <laughs> Never tweets. Oh. What a schmuck. People can find me at the Dan Barrett. Uh, but I'd like to recommend, folks, if you like Batman Land, please tweet about it, tell your friends, review it, leave reviews on your chosen platform, medium of choice. If that's Apple Podcasts or Overcast or Pocket Casts, what have you, leave reviews, helps other people find the show. This has been the Batman Land Christmas special. Ho, ho, ho. Blake, Maria, Justin, thank you very much for spending this Christmas time period with us. We're going to head off. We're going to drink some eggnog and talk about Batman. Uh, we'll be back next uh, Friday with a new Batman Land episode. I'm sure I would know what episode that was if I looked at the calendar. <laughs> that is Christmas. But it's Christmas. I'm already on the eggnog. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next time. Same Batman Land time. Same Batman Land channel. Bon voyage, pussy! Well done. That was fun. <laughs>